Hi everybody, welcome back to Serial from the Box. I'm Marie. And I'm Gianna, and this is the show where you explore yourself, decide to do fun and exciting things, and also attempt to nourish your body and mind. We have some very exciting news for you all this week. Um, we recently went on a, another podcast. It was a guesting experience. Yes, it was very fun. We were so fortunate to be on RIP Diets, RIP With Diets. Us. Yeah, her name is Emily Livin, and she's my ex-boss, and she's really great, and I didn't even ask her. She asked me, which was a total honor. Um, and anyways, we have a really fun talk about um, dysmorphia, and um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't really fun, but like, it was fun to be there, but it's not a fun topic, so... Anywho, just check it out. It was really great, and we are so excited that hopefully, you know, some of y'all who um, listen to Emily, hopefully will try us out too. Yeah. Um, so if you are um, finding us from that episode, welcome. Uh, we are so glad that you are here, uh, first and foremost. And um, Gianna, since we always start off our episodes by doing a little check-in, how has your week been? My week's been fine um it was like kind of crazy just because like I have like so many jobs but um so I'm always just doing all of them <laughs> brilliant can I can I put in the disclaimer now that you're just a just a wee little bit uh tipsy from the the wine you drank so um uh, yes everybody I was eating <laughs> earlier and there's wine in the risotto, so I was like, hey, why don't we just drink some wine also? Yeah. And I'm a lightweight, and I apologize to everybody. Yeah, I unfortunately didn't get the memo that we were recording a, a tipsy podcast, so I am not tipsy, but... But, yeah, so we anyways, persist. like, that's what I did this week, and it was fine. I just worked. Um, also... I uh, put a new shelf on my wall. Oh, what kind of and shelf? Is it like a floating one? No, it's just a normal looking shelf for my bathroom because I had like a lot of makeup and stuff that I didn't want to have to do my makeup like in my bedroom slash mm -hmm. living room slash kitchen. Yeah. I live in a studio. So I was like, I want my stuff in the bathroom. And so now I can arrange it artfully on the bathroom wall wonderful i don't know why my response to that was about to be delicious because that's not the proper <laughs> word to use for that um but sounds beautiful uh Thank creating a wonderful atmosphere yes yes i feel at, at peace at peace and as i was telling uh, marie as well like earlier i have the most um exciting items in my fridge currently that I will eat later. I have cake. I have ice, not ice cream. I have Cool Whip. I have chocolate pretzels, cookies, and those little chocolate balls. I'm so excited to eat all of them after the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's our uh, reward for getting through the episode. Uh, do you know what I made this weekend, actually? What? Um, I tried to make like my homemade Reese's. Um, because oh, right. my, <laughs> my brother asked me, like, what's your favorite treat? And I just, like, took that to mean, like, candy, so it's like, Reese's for sure. Um, but since I'm vegan, I don't have, like, you know, brand name Reese's. Um, there's, like, other alternatives that you can buy at the store. But I'm not, like, a dark chocolate person, and that typically right. is, like, what, you know, vegan treats are made out of. So I was, like, I had some leftover, like semi-sweet chocolate chips I was like I can I can make do with that my my palate mm -hmm. prefers sweet chocolate but you know here we are um so I tried to <laughs> tried to make them and it was a disaster it was so stressful oh. I mean they t they turned out fine so it was oh, like okay. okay and they're delicious and I've had several at this point but um it was just like such a mess to make and I was trying to do too many things at once and I was like also on a zoom call with with our other friend and then my family comes in and then 
I just got so stressed out so easily and like chocolate and sticky peanut butter stuff went everywhere and then I didn't have the right molds it was a disaster but um it sounds so tasty though yeah it was very good so worth so it in the end you're saying when corona's over and I'm allowed to come to your house mm-hmm. you will make them for me and I will eat them uh I think you need to take part in the venture so we can oh, both okay. be stressed out and then you can definitely have your share Okay, fine, fine, fine. I will help you to, to make Reese's. Thank you. For vegans. Yes. Okay. Well, sounds good to me. Perfect. Anyways, I'm glad that you you made a delicious treat. Anything else exciting that you did? No, that was it. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. Well, it's snowing pretty hard for you right now, right? It wasn't actually as bad as they like, thought it was going to be, to be honest. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah, but my, my dad decided that tis, tis the season to buy a snowblower. Um, to which, <laughs> to which my uh, brothers were not pleased because they regretted their past twenty some years of existence in which they had to shuffle. <laughs> oh no! But anyways, Matt and Andy doing their civic duty. Yeah. Well, enough about the weather. Let's jump in to our topic this episode, which is meal plans in recovery. Yeah, baby. Let's get started. So. Um, Marie, like, you had, like, this, like, formal treatment Mm -hmm. process that you went through. Yes. Um, so, like, what, what did you have to, like, did they make you do a meal plan when you were? Hmm, yes. So, I had, I've done, I guess I would say three, mm, no, that's not true. I've tried out, like, three meal plans I would say they're all of the same kind um they were all mostly based on an exchange system so basically what that looks like is the um they kind of break down how many exchanges of different like food categories you need to have in a day and that's between like meals and snacks right So um, exchanges are more or less kind of a way to measure a portion size. Um, So I guess like as an example, like two slices of toast could count as like two exchanges of a starch Mm -hmm. for for instance, hypothetically. Um, Right. It's been a long time since I've done this, so I don't actually quite remember how all the exchanges work. Um, but that's, that was the basic premise of the, um, meal plans that I was on. Um, so they kind of taught you what the different exchanges meant, what that looked like. Um, and then they would break it down in certain ways, um, depending on like your kind of caloric needs. So it like took away the focus from like, you need to eat X amount of calories per day in order to make sure that like you know, you're fueling your body, if you need to be weight restored, like, that's happening, things like that, mm-hmm. um, and broke it down into, like, these exchanges, so you can still have, like, a well-balanced meal, still challenge, you know, whatever fear foods that you might have, challenge any restriction and things like that, um, without, you know, being focused on making sure that you're not restricting by checking your caloric intake if that makes sense right did you like that um there's a lot of like i i think personally like a lot of pros and cons to it okay um so let's start with the pros start with the pros okay yeah why not because i know i'm gonna be a strong con (laughs) i think i think our cons will probably overlap um so for pros though it definitely was helpful in terms of like checking if you were using symptoms right because like a meal was supposed to be a certain number of exchanges so if you were having less than that amount of exchanges you're probably restricting (laughs) if you had more than those amount of exchanges perhaps it could have been a bench who's to say right um so that would it was a good way at least you know, both for yourself to be like realistic and honest with yourself, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I think that happens a lot in the early stages of recovery where you'll be like, oh, but like I'm still eating like a full meal and like 
portion size and things like that it's, it's just not adding up like you're ultimately like not um, meeting your needs so it's helpful in that sense mm-hmm. to kind of give you a reality check if you're restricting or not um, it, and then it's helpful for your treatment team as well to kind of know because then they can because then they can monitor like your process and things like that um, yeah. other pros is that it does kind of help you learn a bit about nutrition in terms of like how to um I guess kind of balance your meals like I use that kind of liberally because like you don't necessarily need to have a balanced meal in order to like be adequately fueling your body but when you have diet culture over here telling you carbs are bad fats are bad things like that an exchange system that includes all these different nutritional components that you need to have in a meal ensures that like you're challenging either those fear foods or those groups of foods that you might have uh, been restricting previously and ensuring that like you're incorporating those into your um into your diet I guess into what you're eating your daily intake um yeah so I think that's a positive because it does start working on like challenging some of those food rules that you might have. It also provides structure. So you're eating enough throughout the day. You know, you're not restricting earlier in the morning and then binging in the evening. Um, it kind of helps balance that out. And obviously like it's really helpful and beneficial to be on a meal plan when you're first starting recovery because you, especially if you're recovering from a restrictive disorder or you're yeah. coming from a place in which your body is malnourished, whatever that looks like, you know, for you, um, that you're ensuring that you're meeting your needs by having this meal plan to fall back on. Because it's really hard to like keep yourself accountable sometimes, especially, I, I mean, maybe you can speak to this a little bit, but like if you're recovering on your own, there might be like a propensity to like take things really slowly or still let certain like fear foods rule your life um and kind of like enter this quasi recovery situation in which you're like giving yourself a little bit more freedom but you're not completely all the way there so having that accountability of like no matter what I have to follow this meal plan and that definitely does help being in a structured treatment setting where you have to do it regardless um Mm -hmm. or get your meats met through like a supplement or some other way um I think that's beneficial to the start of your recovery to kind of um be able to have that that fallback plan that being said it can be incredibly difficult for some people even when they're given like the meal plan like it can be met with a lot of resistance because of the eating disorder voice getting so loud um you know yeah I mean I just feel like I don't know how I feel about these little plans Mm -hmm. I just feel like it's overly like structured and like I know that's like some people they really like need that whatever but Mm -hmm. like I feel like it would be, like, just replacing the, like, like the patterns that you're, you're having when you're, like, in a restrictive, like, mindset that, like, you're replacing one kind of restriction with, like, another one where you're, you're kind of, like, functioning off, like, okay, well, this is it this is all I'm gonna have you know what I mean yeah I see what you're saying I think in my experience a meal plan has never been like well there's some truth to what you're saying in the sense that like I know me as an individual who had a meal plan while having an eating disorder and trying to recover from it I did see the meal plan as a maximum right So even though I was told by professionals, you can eat over this meal plan, to me, eating over the meal plan was the worst thing that I could do. Because to me, the meal plan was already, quote unquote, too much, too much for the eating disorder. So in that way, I don't think, I wouldn't equate the meal plan to restriction because 
when you have a medical professional, like a nutritionist, um, you know, could be a doctor depending on things like that. Like when you have them determining what the caloric intake is that you need and then giving you this meal plan as a result of that, um, it's there to help you get weight restored for most individuals. Cause also mind you, I went to treatment and that caters to people with restrictive eating disorders, you know? Oh, right, right, right. I just mean in terms of like the kind of like, okay, well, like I have to do this exactly this way. Like it restricts more. I, I guess I'm not calorically, but I mean like your life, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you like, if, well, if this, that breakfast does not have all these or has too many of this mm-hmm. one and too little of this one, then I can't have it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I can, yes, I see what you're saying there. And that makes sense to me because I do think that it can promote this like perfectionistic, like it keeps the perfectionistic tendencies. Right. Um, and for me, I remember specifically, like, I was struggling with this when I would be like, oh, well, I want to have, like, an acai bowl for breakfast, for example, right? Mm -hmm. But acai bowls, like, the basis of it is fruit. You know, you have maybe some granola on top, maybe some peanut butter, um, coconut flakes, more fruit, things like that, right? Like, that's a very um, fruit-heavy meal which is fine. There's no problem with that. And in my day-to-day life, I would love to have an acai bowl for breakfast, you know, maybe have a coffee on the side, whatever. That's perfectly normal. And there's nothing wrong with that. But to me, I would lose my mind over how do I fit this into my meal plan? Because my meal plan only allowed for one fruit exchange at breakfast, you know, however many of what other things and so it just wouldn't perfectly line up so I'd be like well I can't have it then yeah if it's not gonna fit because I don't know how to schedule the rest of my day around it you know what I mean so like in that way it got really confusing um and kind of discouraging to start um you know try like branching out I guess you know um yeah and trying different things and different breakfasts and stuff like that because by having this exchange system and then also like um you know depending on the level of care you're in you might be having those foods and certain meals that fit that those requirements at um at like the group meals that you had at the treatment facility right so Mm -hmm. it would be like we would rotate between different kinds of breakfasts or things like that so it's really easy to kind of get stuck in a cycle where you kind of just have the same meal every day which like no that's like that's what like I was like kind of doing some research um earlier on it and that's like another complaint that people have is like you already have and like I know this about myself as well to be true like I really love to eat the same stuff over and over for like like chunks of time like I'll only eat like the same things you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um and like I feel like this kind of like structure really encourages that kind of behavior and then you like have I feel like could have like nutrition like deficit like for example like at this in this time of me of my existence of my life I really eat a lot of mushrooms and like not that much like salad and or like <laughs> what a weird I, I don't like mushrooms so what a weird food for you to be like you know if you don't like my mushroom fixation problem for you Marie if you don't like mushrooms mm-hmm. you can just go fuck yourself okay? oh okay sorry <laughs> um no I love you I love you Please never stop. Okay. Anyways, um, you could just try them again. It's like it's fine. Like my nephew yesterday, I didn't want to eat olives on the pizza. He was like, Gianna, you could just try them again. Here, you can have one of mine. And I was like, Oh no, thanks, Gabe. I don't really like olives. And he's like, Well, why not? You have to try them again. Try them right now. And I was like, No, thank you. I don't like olives. Um, but anyways, I feel like that this also like kind of like can encourage you to. Just keep eating the same foods over and over which like if you really like something great but like I feel like you have to have some variety yeah and the other thing that is kind of like an issue with meal plans in the exchange kind of format at least is it's also really easy like if you have certain safe foods to choose those to meet your exchanges over other scarier foods for instance 
choosing to have toast over a bagel choosing to mm-hmm. I don't know what else that's the first thing that came to mind but because I remember oatmeal over <laughs> yeah or some yeah something like that where you cho- for whatever reason a food might be safer for you whether it's you know calorically or some other reason the eating disorder decide hey, let's make a food roll and um mm-hmm choosing those because they can meet your exchanges um it's like a dangerous game to play i tried to play that game when i was in treatment um because the eating disorder was not having it and my team was literally like you need to start varying your food choices like you can't keep Mm -hmm. choosing the same cereal and whatever but um you know enough about that enough about me but the I guess point that I'm trying to make is that yes you have a point with like rigidity and perfectionism and things like that that could be things heavily tied to your eating disorder starting to carry over into using a meal plan so while the meal Mm -hmm. plan might be serving the function of helping you to challenge some fear foods um, serving the function of trying to make sure that your caloric needs are met serving the function of possibly weight restoration um you can kind of still run into these issues where basically i guess meal plans aren't used in the long term you know and there's a reason for that um yeah because i mean both you and i have the same goal of like being an intuitive eater and there's really like not a way to stay on a meal plan while being an intuitive eater Like, they don't correlate. They don't make sense. I guess that's kind of, like, my biggest um, qualm about about it is that I feel like it doesn't guide you towards towards that intuitive kind of, you know, I don't know. It doesn't guide you (laughs) towards being an intuitive eater or, like, towards, like, honoring what your body wants even though I guess like at the beginning it does make sense to like have this guidance yeah because I mean with like part of my recovery process at least was for a while my hunger and fullness cues they didn't work (laughs) it didn't happen you know what I mean um so as a result having a meal plan was a good sense of structure so I what so I didn't just go in my brain okay well I'm not hungry so therefore I don't need to eat like that is a logical fallacy mm-hmm. that the eating disorder will play and it's not true and it can be you know hard to motivate yourself to do that so being on the meal plan was like no here are your caloric needs you need to meet them and I know I keep saying caloric right. needs so I'm apologize if that like bothers someone but what I mean is whatever it is that your body needs in order to be fully nourished to be fully functioning um yeah and so as I feel like then what mm-hmm, go ahead sorry like then what kind of like I guess like what kind of process then would like for someone that isn't like they're they're not concerned about like not meeting caloric needs then there it's more of a talking about variety or about like having an extreme fear of certain certain foods or or groups of foods that like they you know then what kind of I feel like what purpose could a meal plan like what different option would there be for those Mm -hmm. people and I think that's what's difficult about meal plans is because when I first think about someone who might need a meal plan I think about someone with a restrictive eating disorder right yeah um but if you and I can't speak expertly on these topics, but, you know, if you're someone with ARFID, right, do you need a meal plan or is it more important to focus on exposures and to broaden your list of safe foods that you might have? You know, like, I mean, there are, there were people with ARFID that were at the treatment center that I went to, um, and they, they use more or less, as far as I'm aware of, like the same kind of meal plan structure as everybody else. And the exposures was merely a part of like completing that meal plan. 
Um, Mm -hmm. But then also, I mean, for me personally, when my binging became a problem again, and I was on on a meal plan at the same time, I like kind of went nuts because I was like, well, I totally went over this meal plan, right? If I were to like break it down by like, I guess what I binged on into exchanges, there's no way it fits into the meal plan. So I ruined it. I failed, you know, all this all or nothing Mm -hmm. black and white, super negative thinking. And so that would make it really difficult because I keep being being told, well, you need to just keep following the meal plan. Um, And, you know, I feel like that's definitely like even in a kind of like a different like a different vein of like people like directly telling to you but I feel like also like people are kind of assume like oh like if I'm following all the rules and like I'm I'm like doing everything that I should be doing like I'm eating the foods that I'm supposed to be doing and they're still experiencing like these like symptoms Mm -hmm of like binging and stuff and it's like really demotivating to try to continue on the recovery process um so i just feel like i don't know ugh. <laughs> i don't know like i just have such a distaste for for like maybe it's because i've always been an anarchist deep down in <laughs> but um I just have a distaste for these, like, uh, rules for how you are supposed mm. to be eating. I feel like... Yeah. Like, and yeah. I think that's... And I'll make my stance clear. I'm... There's both pros and cons to a meal plan. So if that's your individual path, you know, good on you. Um, you can do whatever it is that benefits you most. But I think a lot of people would kind of raise that same concern of like well you tell us not to have food rules but here are rules that we have to follow and honestly like I can't I can't quite discern even now if that's more just like (laughs) the the eating disorder rebelling uh when you know you're kind of presented with with that like um for (laughs) for instance we had to have desserts multiple times a day at one of my treatment facilities and everyone was so up in arms about having to do that they're like this isn't normal people don't usually do this and like the whole point of it was to kind of like increase exposure to normalize having desserts and uh also help meet our caloric needs and things like that um but everyone was so like upset about it (laughs) at the time um, you know what? They can all come for me because I eat dessert. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> but I guess, like, my point is sometimes it's hard to say in terms of, like, um, especially someone that's in the process of recovery and is at the stage where they potentially need a meal plan. Having questioning yeah. the, I, the idea of questioning a meal plan, it's hard sometimes because I think when we talk about eating disorders, we talk about is it the eating disorder that's having a problem with this or is it the person that's having the problem with this and that's like a very Mm -hmm. hard question to answer because a clinician might be inclined to say "Hmm, sounds like it's the eating disorder talking uh while you as an individual are like i just am so confused (laughs) and you know so yeah it's like i i see your qualms with it um, because there's a lot of personal qualms that I had at the time, but a lot of that was tied um, to also struggling with the eating disorder, with the eating disorder voice getting louder, um, so and things me, like that. So let me ask yeah. you this. Let me ask you this. Um, as someone who was, is, and probably continues to be vegan for ethical mm-hmm. reasons or whatever, how did... Like, I feel like a lot of these exchange meal thingies I see are based mostly, like, have, like, dairy Mm -hmm. as, like, a big part of it. So, like, how did you balance that with your ethical concerns? Slash did you? Slash were you respected by your team for this? Yeah, so, um, I was... (laughs) I'm trying not to use strong language. (laughs) I was about to say, I was banned. No, (laughs) let's tone it down it's okay um (laughs) i was not allowed to be vegan while i was in treatment i was allowed to Mm -hmm. be vegetarian at a later point so 
having the dairy as part of like a protein and um you know dairy with that tofu was often used as like the um the exchanges for protein so it did kind of take a lot of time and I would ask questions even when I wasn't like allowed to be vegan I was like well you know if I were trying to use like a vegan protein source um to meet exchanges what would that look like and ask like the nutritionist what they would say um and it would ultimately like end up being like a, a lot of food to kind of stomach like the volume of food was quite big um and I'm not sure if like any of you guys can relate but at the beginning of recovery like having a large volume of food um can be hard on the tum-tum um I've actually seen a lot of um like volume eating on TikTok lately really what people like yeah like they're eating like large amounts of food that's not um calorically super dense Um, yeah I don't for example and Uh like that's something that like I I kind of have enjoyed doing in the past like eating like a giant salad Mm. like humongous (laughs) salad because it feels so good to just be full Mm. but um of food is this a current feeling or a retrospective feeling or like retrospectively this is how you felt about it like I currently have not done that in a Mm -hmm. while but like I would eat that for regular meals when I didn't have a lot of time to cook yeah so it'd be easy to like put like a bag salad Mm -hmm. in a bowl and just eat it yeah and I was like wow nutrition because what um what I've noticed is that's like a (laughs) a sidestep way of like kind of like eating disorder tendencies while like like a a quasi recovery kind of thing you know what I mean okay yeah I see that a lot on TikTok as like people that are like volume eating and then whoops I have a problem yeah it's kind of like concerning because I think like that's I remember seeing that when I was like first in recovery as well like people kind of being like look I'm meeting my caloric needs but then always have some kind of like just restrictive aspect to how they were doing that um and then like the need to feel full but like oh it can't be you know on quote-unquote bad foods or whatever it has to be on these like quote-unquote healthy foods um it's still very disordered um yeah so anyways uh was that was that, like, uh, triggering at all to you when they were, like, well, just eat this large amount of... Well, no, because, like, I don't think they were necessarily encouraging me to eat that. Like, they were just telling me... They were telling me if that... If I wanted to eat a vegan meal with, for example, like, lentils or beans or chickpeas as my protein source, I needed to have a certain mm-hmm. amount of it in order to make sure that I was meeting all of, like, my nutrient requirements right that's like how they're explaining it to me um at the time because although I was during the recovery process and I was still like um struggling between the recovery process and my disorder I guess um I was like well I guess I can't do that because I'm gonna have Mm -hmm. to have quote-unquote too much food so like the the volume of food put me off I'm not like I want to make it clear, I'm not saying that having a certain volume of food is bad, but I guess, like, another issue with, like, exchanges, like, yeah. um, and I know I'm only talking about the exchange-based system, but there are other kind of meal plans that you could follow, potentially, um, but with that, like, they would tell you that only a certain amount, well, a certain amount of pasta, for instance, would get you to the amount of exchanges that would be, like, appropriate for a meal based on their meal plan. I will tell you now, I definitely eat way more pasta <laughs> that in my meals now than like what was supposed to be the quote unquote correct amount um, in order to meet our like exchange system. So in in yeah. that way, I guess like kind of going back to the intuitive eating aspect, like this provided you with like nice kind of guidelines to help with that like nutrition, um, gentle nutrition aspects of intuitive eating. But at some point, you have to wean yourself off of the meal plan if you want to, like, be able How to did... listen to your body. 
How did you do that? Uh, so I technically didn't. <laughs> I, um, oh, my lights just flickered. Crazy. Anyways, um, I kind of, when I left treatment and then went into like my outpatient, uh, work, was working with my outpatient team, um, they tried to, um, tried to have me on their meal plan, which was also an exchange-based thing, but it was also a little bit more kind of like entree and sides based. So like an entree could, for instance, right. be like a sandwich, and then you would add different sides to that, and then like a fun food and things like that. So it was a little more, mm-hmm. um, more lax, I guess, in terms of like how you could construct your meals and, and, and meet your needs and things like that. Um, but I had a really really difficult time staying on the meal plan I would try it for a couple days it would kind of go okay then I would probably binge and I'd be like I can't do this I messed it up and you know fall down that (laughs) pit of like Mm -hmm. all or nothing kind of approach so I tried several times over the course of like being an outpatient to um try the meal plan and eventually like I just talked to my nutritionist I was like the end goal here is intuitive eating right and she was like yeah and I was like okay well we just I feel like we just need to start working towards that Mm -hmm. and breaking that down so she like helped me get this like workbook for intuitive eating and we would kind of talk about that um and go through it and it was like really challenging and difficult for me anyways to let go of this idea that like restriction was probably at the foundation of like all the things that I was experiencing you know um so I kind of had to do that and get with that program (laughs) which is true before I was able to start more fully committing to um to the intuitive eating but like the expectation and the ground rules and I also use recovery records which was like kind of another tool for my nutritionist it's a it's an app on your phone and you can like enter in what you ate um and like thoughts and feelings and if you used a symptom and just all this other stuff and it's a way to kind of like track and for your nutritionist or whoever to check into that to see mm-hmm. how that's going. So you're basically kind of doing like a food log for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And in doing that, like I could be as specific as I wanted to. I could kind of be as vague. And by specific, I mean like I could write down the portion sizes of what I ate um, if that was necessary. Like for instance, if I was doing like exchanges, that could kind of maybe be helpful. Um, but, or just be like, oh, I have pasta with this and this and this. So they kind of knew. Um, but the expectation was always, like, you need to have three meals and snacks throughout the day. You know what I mean? So, like, at a bare minimum, that was, like, the goal and what was being um, looked at, I guess. Even if I wasn't specifically following a meal plan, that broke it down more specifically. Cool. Yeah, that sounds a little bit better, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, like, definitely, I think, because I, I, ha- I do know... Um, one of my friends from treatment was on a meal plan for a while and she was able to start um I mean she's now an intuitive eater but like she went through that weaning process so I know that that is something that can happen in a more I guess like structured way um I kind of like you know tripped and fell and like tumbled a little bit and then like now I'm here um but (laughs) for everyone it's not like that um so that's good other interesting things I think about like meal plans that sometimes they include or at least my meal plans did is like this idea of caloric beverages they really uh challenged you to I don't know like have soda and juice and other things which I think is just kind of like interesting I I think it's more that's good yeah I think it's more for like an exposure thing (laughs) um just to kind of like I don't know challenge that notion that's like it's okay to have like a drink that has calories in it (laughs) all good you know like not not all coffee right exactly 
Um, other things. I think I had a paper somewhere. Is there any other? Is there any other different like plans that you saw that were like, you thought would be maybe more effective? Hmm. Or let's that's a good through. question. I mean, like, I think like the exchange program is pretty popular, um, and I think just it can be kind of used in a lot of ways. I think mm-hmm. the exchange system is probably best earlier on in recovery I think if I had to design my own like (laughs) model for treatment at least how it would have could have been for me right I think I would have started with an exchange system moved to like an entree and sides and then from there kind of grew my way into intuitive eating because that's kind of what, what, like, when I had that um, school mm-hmm. nutritionist lady who was uh, definitely just, like, a special a special woman, um, she, like, gave me, like, a list of different entrees and a list mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. sides that could go with yeah. them. And, like, just, like, options. She's like, well, you could have this mm-hmm. or this or this or, or, like, this or this. Um, and, like, this is a good breakfast because X, Y, Z reasons. And I guess, like, like that was actually pretty helpful because it was like for me like oh that is what a full round like well-rounded meal Mm -hmm. would look like yeah um so but like also like if that's if the food that they suggest are things that you just don't like you might feel like powerless yeah and I mean I think I had a lot of conversations with my nutritionist about like what a meal could look like so I don't like Mm -hmm. I know we're talking about meal plans as if they exist in a vacuum, but if you're explicitly working with an, a nutritionist or, or someone like that while you're going through this process, a lot of that would look like the talking about what could it, what meals would look like, what challenge meals would I have, um, what are different sides, well, if I don't like that, can we try something else? Um, and then, you know, also doing exposures on top of that to, you know, it's it exists more than just um, you follow this meal plan and you're going to be all good kind of situation, right? Mm-hmm. So. Ugh. But I guess. It's just like. So yeah, it's definitely like a not a set in stone issue in terms of like they're all good or all bad. They're going to look different. Um, for different people based on what they're struggling with. Because, like, I think in terms of, like, the fact that, like, eating disorders and mental illnesses, in terms of how you kind of go about therapy um, and things like that, you're always going to be kind of touching on the same issues regardless of the eating disorder, right? Like, um, maybe that's not entirely true. But I feel like, especially, like, um, you're probably always going to talk about some level of trauma. You're always going to talk about, like, the impact of society and your family and friends and diet culture on, like, your views of food and yourself. Right. And you're going to be addressing mood disorders and anxiety and other things like that that all kind of contribute and perpetuate, you know, an eating disorder. Um, but when it comes yeah. to, like, the dietary side of things... Um, yeah. depending on your symptoms, yeah. that's going to look kind of different on how you approach that, I think. Definitely. No, definitely. And, like, if you are afraid of things or if you're, like, used to, like, ignoring um, your what your body is asking mm-hmm. for, then, like, definitely definitely like it's probably good to like have someone telling you like dictating exactly what you need to be putting into Mm -hmm. but also I feel also like what I've been also reading up like when you are in like this process of recovery and like you do actually need more more food and more Mm -hmm. energy than you probably will need afterwards Mm -hmm. once you are more recovered and like restored if that was a part of your mm-hmm. symptoms yeah so it's like not forever it's not a forever plan yeah for sure and I don't think like it ever 
can be really um and if you are like not that i think people are purposely trying to make it their forever plan but if like it's scary to kind of take that jump away from having the meal plan um and stop using it as like a crutch i think it's like important to like Mm -hmm. evaluate like why is that so scary to let go of that um yeah thought I was gonna have more to it's say scary. with that but, but I did I was just like yeah let's <laughs> you should probably reevaluate um but, what's going on yeah. um I also think like some of it might just be like a personality based thing like um mm-hmm. I know like you didn't really use like a meal plan to recover but a lot of people who recover um without like nutritionists or recover by themselves uh, and we talked about this before but like use things like mini mod like these like online um like these quote-unquote meal plans that provide some kind of guidance that you can get online and things like that um and that I think is like a whole (laughs) a whole separate topic in terms of talking about the pros and cons of doing that but kind of taking like a an all-in approach or um things like that like that might be part of like your personality I guess as well in terms of like or where you're at I guess like in terms of um feeling motivated to recover as well like if you're not feeling super motivated but you'd know that like a change is necessary like a meal plan a more formal meal plan might provide more structure but holding yourself accountable to um you know a meal plan that drastically shifts how you're approaching food can be really difficult especially in the beginning yeah I mean, and, like, also, as I've said before, like, what was the best thing for me was, like, just watching somebody Mm -hmm. else who has a really good relationship with food, like, eat and um, see, like, okay, this is kind of normal, and then, like, adjusting, like, well, actually, I don't like that food, and um, so I'm going to eat this thing instead, but, like, having, like, a real life, like, okay, this is what (laughs) normal people do, so, like like an alien like intruding on society and like seeing like oh this is how you blend in with the normal people i when you're talking about that i just like an image popped into my head an analogy if you will um and i know like when we talk about eating disorders we always talk about like the inner child right um and i feel like there's two like approaches to (laughs) (laughs) to like teaching not teaching a child how to eat because children know how to eat and like naturally but like in terms of like how you parent a child when it comes to eating right and you always have like the parent that is more structured right and um offers a lot of guidance and and things like that and so on one hand like it's good to be able to parent yourself and have that kind of like you need to make sure you're following these steps because you don't quite know what's going on yet or what's best for you um but then when you were describing your experience I was like ah so you were the parent to yourself that like let the child like be free and play around and try new things and see what they liked and what they didn't like um yeah I feel like that's like the parents of the kids that I nanny like I feel like those kids are gonna turn out great like yes like on the one hand they like only eat like all organic food interesting and, stuff, and like they like they they only buy like organic food which i guess maybe that's like normal for like upper middle class <laughs> when you have the monies um, perhaps but um also like if they don't want to eat something mm-hmm. you don't force them to eat it if they are still hungry they give yeah. them more food like they just like have food on the counter so they can grab like whenever yeah. they're hungry like i'm like y'all are doing a good job like maybe you're gonna be bougie but like at least you won't have any fears and yeah (laughs) that's true yeah so i don't know i feel like both types of parenting is valid i'm definitely like not referring to like a a strict parent who sets these like crazy rules or anything like that but having uh the meal plan to serve as that more structured uh parent that knows what's best when the child might not really um, while also having, like, a parent that, like, encourages freedom and exploration is cool as well. I'm the parent that's, like, 
okay, honey, I'll be back in 12 hours. <laughs> Order whatever you want. Here's $35. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Anywho, if y'all have, like, any stories about your experience with a meal plan or whatchamacallit, we want to know. Yeah. Um please tell us. Yeah, I don't know if you relate to kind of any of the struggles with the meal plan that we mentioned. Also, if it's been a positive experience for you, that's great. If you're working on um, moving away from a meal plan into intuitive, into intuitive eating, I encourage you to make that jump. Um, and if you Ooh. never used a meal plan at all, that's also a-okay. Yeah. But you could tell us if you want. Like, we do want to, like, make friends and stuff. Like, want to build a relationship and a community with you. <laughs> so, please reach out to us um, at our Instagram DM is at Cereal from the Box or Cereal from the Box at gmail.com. If, if you have any questions, um, we would love to answer them. We are semi qualified. Um, non-professionals <laughs> so just keep that in mind you'll be getting like best friend big sister advice or little sister advice if you're older than us you know that's cool yeah so check us out at cereal from the box um and we'll also we have plans to make a more detailed post about this topic as well um so check sure. that out if you want a more comprehensive um not rambling <laughs> guide um but <laughs> and also like check out um rip diets um we're on this coming episode so that will be monday february 1st that the episode comes out so please check it out emily's great she's such a good host so gracious and yeah so until next episode bye